Hey guys, welcome to Journeyman Firefighter Podcast, episode number 10. Today we have Brian Brush on. Brian Brush's fire service career spans all the way from California to Colorado and currently in Oklahoma. Today's podcast, we talked to Brian about training, the importance of it, uh, how to stay engaged, the humility as an instructor, and his time with Fire Service Warrior and how he contributed to, to that movement and contributed overall to the, the betterment of the fire service. You can find Brian at firebytrade.com on his website. So sit back and enjoy the show. Brian Brush, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I'm excited about uh, having some good discussion with you guys today. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, I know Grant and I are fans of your work and have been following you since the, the fire service warrior days. Um, I know you've had a couple of career changes since then and we can uh we can hit on that a little bit later can you give us kind of a heads up how you got started in the fire service what kind of sparked you to want to join the fire department you know i um growing up in a, a pretty small town in northern california uh the fire department was just a big part of the community um, my dad was a, a volunteer when i was very young so he knew the guys uh knew the guys up there so we'd go to the pancake breakfasts and the see them in the parade in town and um uh, when I was uh, in high school, my neighbor was the uh, assistant chief of the fire department and uh, kind of had a unique program where uh, at 16 years old, you could get involved in the in the fire department and uh, you could respond from the high school to calls to be uh, firefighters during the day. Most of the uh, volunteers there, they had a, a paid officer and a paid uh, engineer. And then the uh, volunteers were more or less the tailboarders or the people uh, supporting the second outrig. So uh, during the day when a lot of the volunteers were at work in a uh, neighboring city or other communities, uh, they were a little bit short on people during the day. So they relied pretty heavily on uh, the few of us from the high school that would respond and get paged out from classes, respond down to the firehouse and jump on the back of the rig. So uh, at a very young and impressionable age, I was indoctrinated into the fire service, man, and I just haven't looked back since. So 20-something uh, years later, it's still... Uh, still just an exciting and, and, and a job that I just, I can't get enough of. Yeah, that's perfect. That sounds pretty similar to everyone on here's uh, background as well. Give us a little bit of, you went to Colorado and then you moved your way to Oklahoma. Can you talk about those career changes and any similarities between the departments or any differences? You know, I, I uh, actually, you know, I started out in California and um, was a, uh, going through high school and obviously knew that the fire service was something I wanted to get into. So uh, I started looking around at that time for colleges that would, uh, that had fire programs. And uh, there was a lot of junior colleges around uh, where I grew up. Some Santa Rosa junior college had a great uh, fire program. There was a lot of junior colleges that had fire programs, but um, at that time I kind of started to look at uh, Oklahoma state and um, I think I would, in my junior year, either sophomore or junior year of high school, um, made a trip out to Oklahoma state to check out the campus and the, uh, the fire classes were actually in the firehouse. Um, the uh, freshmen had their own, uh, dorm floor. So all the fire students, uh, had their own dorm floor on, uh, on one of the campus buildings. And it was a really, uh, tight knit, uh, fire program. So kind of, as far as going out of state to college, it still had that firehouse feel and, and, uh, a lot of connections and opportunities there. So, uh, when I graduated high school uh, that summer, I was working as a wildland firefighter, uh, kind of a seasonal firefighter in, in California. And then I would go to school during the school year at Oklahoma State in the fire engineering program. So I kind of did that for um, for three years between uh, working as a seasonal firefighter in California and uh, doing that thing and then being a student at Oklahoma State in the uh, in the school year until um 2002 when I got hired with uh, with West Metro um, just outside of Denver so uh, I kind of uh, you know the change from from Colorado back to Oklahoma was uh, almost like a, a little bit of a homecoming uh, my wife that's I met my wife here in Oklahoma when I was in college and she kind of always wanted to come back so uh, when the opportunity presented itself at the young age where the kids were young enough to make the move we uh, we moved back in 2015 um, you know I was blessed um, between that time, you know, between uh, 2002 and, and 2015, when I moved to have a just an awesome experience at West Metro, um, real broad district as far as kind of urban uh, 
um, rougher parts of town all the way up to the foothills uh, there outside the Denver area and the urban interface and technical and rope rescue that goes along with it. It was, it was really, really a great district to get exposed to a lot of things. And I was fortunate to spend most of my time in the, um, in a double company station, be it the, the rescue house or the, uh, the truck houses and, um, have the opportunity to be around a lot of, a lot of different things. You know, Grant kind of, we were just talking about this not too long ago about all the different things that I chased down. And I think that that's, um, you know, something that I've always, always been involved in being in the rescue or being in the truck, kind of being that utility player. And, uh, I'm not, uh, not real satisfied with kind of being a jack of all. I, I try to chase down, um, being a true utility player and being able to fill any of those roles and knowing as much as I can about any of those uh, positions or actions as we go. So in uh, kind of a, a, a tangent, but in uh, 2015, I moved back to Oklahoma. And as many of you guys know, in the fire service, the uh, whole uh, lateral move thing isn't, isn't quite the opportunity everywhere. So I started over as a recruit firefighter um, in Edmond and, and went through the Academy and it was a great uh, restart for me to get back to, the basics and work with some younger firefighters just getting into the job and kind of coach and, and mentor them a little bit. And then it's just, uh, it's always a learning process, always a, a great experience. And, um, you know, I'm, well, a lot of us would say, Oh, I'd hate to start over again, man. It's a, it's a, it's a true blessing to, uh, to reinvest and, and uh, re-engage in the fire service. And I wouldn't change a thing. I think it's been a, been a real positive experience for me to, go back through that. Um, in the time that I've been in Edmond, I moved uh, from the stations back into the training division and uh, we're about to complete uh, the second uh, recruit class since I've been in there. And it, again, just being around uh, firefighters and, and shaping their first experiences and sharing uh, what you can with them and, and that passion for the job and seeing that it can last an entire career is, is uh, kind of really become uh, my new mission. Uh, Brian, I got a couple questions on that. First, was it tough being a fireman's fireman in the firehouse all the time, making that move from riding the rig and being with the guys all the time to to working Monday through Friday in the training division? What was that like? You know, it, it is. Um, it it uh, it's a it's a total change. You know, fortunately, I I kind of having gone through the academy where you don't really have a choice, um, you're on the Monday through Friday uh, routine, but getting back in the firehouse felt good, man. It was awesome to be back on the rigs and everything, but um, it's amazing kind of, you know, we talk about work-life balances a lot. And I think that um, some people probably don't talk about it enough, but um, you know, for a long part of my life, I had, three young kids, me coming home uh, to be home during the day when the kids aren't in school was a, a, an important part. Uh, my wife was a newborn intensive care nurse, so she was working shifts too. So we kind of traded off uh, shift life. So that way someone was home with the kids all the time. Um, you know, I found once my kids were in school full time, I was coming home to an empty house. And, uh, and then you'd be working, uh, you know, say a Saturday and a Monday when they might have president's weekend or something. So, um, on the uh, on the family side, working Monday through Friday eight to five uh, really has also been a blessing. You know, I'm when they have President's Day off, obviously the the office is closed, and and our days off kind of always line up. I've had a lot more opportunity to um, participate in coaching the kids' sports now that they're you know in that that younger school age. So, um, you know, I think uh, on the fire side, yeah, there's a there's an ego part to it of well, I'm off the rigs and I'm not doing it anymore and I should be back in the firehouse. And there's, there's always that concern for, I guess, credibility and inconsistency and, and those types of things. But, it, you know, on the other side, it's, uh, it's been time just right for me to be uh, a more, a better family man and, and uh, around the kids. And I think that we have to monitor all aspects of our life and, and where there's benefits and where there's, there's takeaways and, um, and kind of try to keep it on the par. Absolutely. Uh, how old are your kids? Uh, 12, uh, 10, about to turn 11 and nine. Nice. So we, so we had three kids in three years. Wow. The getting back into the Academy stuff, being such a fire nerd 
and uh, so the anti IFSTA and all that. How did how was it going through the fire academy again? And then what changes, if any, did you make as you came back back as as being uh, you know in the training division? Well, I mean, it was uh, it was a great exercise in humility. I mean, you have to uh, you have to recognize that um, you know there's 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 a lot of things you know we we tend to get wrapped up in that as far as um, being outside trainers that that you know well you know I we we knock on the the textbooks and those types of things um, because we're not bound to them but um, when you are working in the certification world and and uh, state certification and I mean there's just um, there could be all the all the good intent to to work outside of those parameters and do it safely and do it correctly and do it in in with modern information but the simple fact is they're they're tested to that test bank and they're tested to the, that format and uh it's it's just kind of the the world of certification what what's unfortunate is when that world of certification becomes the only um baseline and and whole i guess um context of of their understanding of the job but um, it, it was tough to go, um, uh, back through that program. You know, um, I'm thankful that I just kind of kept, kept at it with the, the guys and helped them transition. And, and I think that it was some of that, you know, having people who've never been exposed to the fire service anymore, those, uh, the IFSTA textbooks and, and those types of things are great, um, baselines. And, uh, you know, we can come back to that as far as the changes we've made in the Academy, but, um, it was, it was tough. You know, there was days where, where it was tough, but you know, my position wasn't one where I needed to, to challenge that. So I needed to stay in my lane. Um, I needed to make sure that the people around me were going to be successful on those tests that they were being, t- were taking on that material. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is like going back to high school again, you know, you may not have to relearn on that material so you can focus on just uh, you know, how is it being taught? What's going on? And be way more observatory in, in the whole uh, the process of the academy. And that's that's definitely helped me as far as moving on to running those types of programs. But, um, you know, I I had been a firefighter in the fire service for a long time. I'd been around a lot of things, but I'd never been a, an admin firefighter. And there's a lot of things as you go through an academy that you need that's to learn that's institutional. And, uh, and I've also focused on those types of things as well. So, uh, just trying to find um, where you can learn the most and make the most of any of those situations. So once, I guess, what did you do anything after guys were done with their their basic recruit academy and state testing to bridge that gap or to add that extra knowledge you've acquired over the years in your cadre? Uh, yeah, you know, I um, so. Uh, going through um, going through that academy as a as a recruit, um, we you know we had that that format was had been set for many years. It was the the traditional format of the department for for recruit classes, um, and uh, I think um, you know I think that they struggled with um, very much like every probably you know ninety percent of the fire academies around the country struggle with. Um, they're held to the textbook. So they teach the guys the textbook, but then that day is, is also the day to do that skill. So, um, you go through the book, you learn the information on say ventilation all morning long, you go through the the textbook and, and the PowerPoint. And then in the afternoon, you take the recruits out and the, you do the skills with them. And that whole time, um, the instructors are telling them, well, you know, this is the way we do it. It's not the way in the book, just study how to pass the book and then learn these skills. And, um, you know, I think that's something it's easy for us to say who have the experience. It's easy for us to, uh, conceptualize because we can separate things. But when you're dealing with a, um, you know, when you put yourself in that new firefighter position, they've never been around it before. They really haven't understood either side of that, the book way or the right way. And deep down inside, all they want to do is impress the instructor. Um, it's really, really a tough spot for them. So, um, you know, I, I mainly watched in the academy kind of how that went 
you know, from a student's perspective, because I was going through it. And then also from talking to my fellow recruits in that academy. And uh, when I moved into the training division and we had the opportunity to overhaul the, um, the recruit class, uh, we pretty much front loaded. Now our academies, we front load them with the textbook. Um, We go through the entire textbook, all the, um, all kind of the the classroom material in the first month. So that way we have a baseline terminology, we have a baseline understanding, um, and we test them at the end of that month on the, uh, the classroom material. And then the rest of the academy, we work through the task books, which are the JPRs for those skills, but we take them through um, a more in-depth skill progression, a more detailed understanding of those tasks. So um, we kind of layer things on all the way up to the end where they're, um, you know, they're, they're performing full on operations with all of it coming together. So we try to have that, uh, you know, learn the book way up front and not have it be conflicting with um, other material and other, other things along the way. Cause it just, it takes a whole lot more time to develop the skills the right way than it does for them to uh, get comprehension of, uh, of written material. Hey, Brian, I think we see often, obviously you spend a lot of time in training as a recruit, uh, a couple different departments, and then in your, your current role. Where do you think we go wrong in the fire service? You know, we get these folks in there and they're fired up and they're good to go. And, you know, they bust their ass for 16 weeks, 26 weeks, whatever it is. And they get that 12 to 18 month probationary period. And they're, again, still busting their ass. They're into it. Where do you think we can lose some of these folks? I know I've seen it personally. I, I'm imagining all three of us have where, you know, three, four, five years on, you got this kid who was a hard charger and, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's more interested in Facebook or the new motorcycle he can buy. Now, what are, are we doing something wrong in the training ground or do you think that's more of a leadership thing in the firehouse? Well, I mean, uh, you know, Aaron couldn't have – put it better, you know, about the whole comfort is the enemy of growth. And, um, I think it's, I think a lot, I mean, if you, you know, I mean, you're, when you're in your, in the Academy, you're, you're, you're pushing to perform, you know, when you're, you go from Academy to your first year in probation, you're pushing to perform. Um, some schools have, or some departments have then, you know, paramedic school layered on that. And obviously that, you know, any of those types of things, you're, you're held to, uh, a certain level of accountability. There's, there's a standard that you're trying to meet and you just keep pressing to do that. I mean, it's, it's no, it's no uh, secret that high standards yield high performers or they, they move people out. Um, uh, certainly the model for a lot of football teams and any athletics, and that's, that's the expectation. You keep the standards high and you keep uh, accountability to it um, pushing. Um, I think overall, and you know what you're getting at, and we joke about it all the time that um, in the fire service in general, we, we retire five-year firefighters with 30 years of service all the time. Um, you're into the job, you go through academy, um, then it's like, well, you know, now I can do instructor one, I can do instructor two, I can go get my tech rescue. But uh, in these certification-driven states, you kind of top out on all your certifications in that three to five year range instructor officer tech uh so there's not really um you kind of run short on on goals to shoot for uh some of those guys will will back off on that they'll say well i just got done with paramedic school i'm i'm done or i studied for the lieutenant's test i've done all the officer stuff now i'm in cruise control there may be promotional processes that kick them back up but um i think one of the biggest limiting factors is there's just not um enough continual uh continual improvement opportunities for people and that's you know why i think we're seeing such success in these outside training companies because one they're not held to the curriculum they're they're focused on um, sharing experiences and developing skills and when firefighters especially modern firefighters are being told all the time you don't have any experience kid you, you don't understand the job kid um they're going out and trying to find it on their own. And, uh, and that's how they're, they're seeking that out is through these com- conferences that they're paying for on their own dime. They're, they're trying to um, find what people have been telling them is missing. Um, but, you know, let's be honest, most career firefighters um, aren't taking that on. 
and they're not being fed internally in their own organization because departments aren't going to support a whole lot of training that uh, doesn't yield an actual certificate or doesn't match state curriculum. So um, I think that there's just a big uh, stagnated pool, stagnated pool of, of, of people. It's not, um, it's not all those distractions. I think if we provided more distractions that were fire service related, they would be taking it on. There's a lot of guys on YouTube watching fire stuff. There's a lot of guys on Facebook watching fire stuff. It's just getting them from that spot into um, the actual job. There's a lot of firefighters who have side jobs as their focus. Well, you can also make that fire service related through training in a community college or offering a school program through the high school. Um, I just, uh, I, I think we, I think it, I don't see it as much of an individual problem as I do a, um, an opportunity problem and, uh, and making, making more opportunities aware for firefighters to grow. We have that discussion about the 30, 30, 30, the 30 that are engaged, the 30 in the middle and the 30 that could care less. And, uh, I think 60% of the firefighters just don't know what's out there and, and what's available to them as far as opportunities to grow beyond what the normal expectation is. That, that brings up an awesome uh, side conversation. And I think it's as a new firefighter gets done with rec recruit school and they focus on that first year of probation, what's your advice to them on having a long, successful, passionate career? Um, you know, I think it's, um, I, I think, you know, we, and we struggle with this a lot. I mean, we, we have what you would consider a, a, a long academy. It's 22 weeks. Um, but we still don't expose the recruits to what the fire service really is. I mean, it's, it's, um, I, my advice to the to new firefighters is to, um, find, find what engages you find what lights your fire. I mean, it, they could have gone through 22 weeks of pulling lines and forcing doors and, um, all the things that we have to do over and over and over again to build that skill set. And they could be very much interested in EMS, you know, and I, I'm all for that. We have way too broad a scope for, um, for us to say, you know, anything against that. There could be people who are invest, interested in investigations. There could be people who are invest, in, interested and deeply passionate about physical fitness and health and wellness, um, community outreach. I mean, there's, uh, I think there's a, a, a tough message out there that we're saying that the only way to re be really engaged in the fire service is through um, being a firefighter. You know, there's a, there's a lot of areas which um, we need strong people and we need passionate people. And, um, you know, the, the interest in hazmat has certainly fallen off over the years, the interest in special teams. And uh, while we look at that as a benefit, those of us who are really engaged in the, um, you know, the basics of the job and the, and the fundamentals, we appreciate that it, it is taking away from some other areas. So, um, you know, I encourage people to say, you know, explore the fire service. Now that you're out of the academy, it's, it's being dictated to you. Go explore the fire service. Uh, find where your personal passions can match up with this job and, and, and really, really dive into that. Yeah, I think that's good. I think the Hey, hold on one second, guys. I got to try to quiet down the kids. Go ahead, brother. Fast, one second. About as real as it gets here. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave that part in there. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I go upstairs to try to have a conversation on the phone, and they're playing some game with the dogs on the stairs. So <laughs> we left it in there. It's, it's you know, no one in here. Yeah, yeah. Here's yeah. here's a shift to parent. Yeah. Well, quiet down, or I'm ripping your head off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always a dog barking in the background. Someone's cell phone going off. No matter what you do, you can't uh, you can't hide. Exactly. All right, I'm good now. All right, good. You know, to hit on what you were saying earlier, uh, I think being a little bit inclusive with some of these folks, you know, I, I agree with the rough, tough, you know, hazing, I guess, of the new probationary firefighters to a certain extent. But, um, you know, we just had a new guy 
and I said, Hey, man, what did we do wrong? What did we screw up? Let me know so we can help the next guy. And, uh, he said, you, you know, you just called me by my first name. And I looked at him and I said, Oh, what are they calling everybody else? Um, and they're just calling about, you got these guys, they wear red shirts kind of as they're out for the probationary period. Sometimes they come out just for the summer months and ride. And I saw oh, no kidding. And, uh, you know, I think just having more of an inclusive atmosphere with some of these guys, it seems they're more engaged and they want to be around. I see someone that go to these companies and they're just, you know, Hey, Hey, sit in the corner. Hey, sit at that other table. Um, you know, I don't call them by their names. And I, I wonder if that's the pathway to get some of these folks, like you said, that extra 30% to stay engaged, to want to work harder, to say, hey, man, by the way, you went to the academy, but look at all these conferences you can go to. And if you put in for it, hopefully, maybe the department will pay for it, but maybe you can grab a buddy or, you know, you guys can go learn RIT next weekend that's not tying you to a state certification, you know? But I agree. Uh, and I think you're kind of also hitting on the, um, the reward for effort, you know, and I, I think that that, that breaks people too. I mean, I know, I'm sure all of us, it's, you work really hard on something and then it's not recognized and eventually you reach that point of like, well, what am I doing this for? You know? Um, and I think that that's, we certainly recognize that in, um, in the first Academy that we ran, uh, it was completely isolated from the shift guys, uh, we ran the academy. Um, the guys on shift weren't really, didn't really participate in it. They weren't aware of it. They weren't getting to know the recruits. Um, so the recruits go through a 22-week academy. They have this great sense of accomplishment. They have this uh, great feeling that, uh, you know, they, they did all this. They're getting into the fire service. And then the very next day, they're in the firehouse, and it's ground zero again. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, they they have that sit down, do this, don't do, you know, it's not. Uh, um, so I think as they have uh, kind of more and more of those experiences, it, it eventually does kind of take away of, well, why am I going to go out and do put myself through a bunch of stuff when I'm going to come back and it's not going to be recognized or appreciated or validated or um, lead to any further growth. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think I'm, I'm assuming you do this as well, but you know, I think a key is just explaining the why, you know, you get a task book and you sign it off and I don't think anyone takes a lot of effort to say, Hey, this is why we stretch this line or Hey, this is why we do this writ procedure on the radio or, you know, this is how we, uh, you know, lock the firehouse up at night and turn the lights on or whatever you got to do. But I don't think a lot of that is explained to some of these folks and you get a task book signed off and you go, Hey, congratulations you're on probation and they go great I can relax and then they're like well shit I don't know why I did half of that stuff why is that important um, I think you can hit on that in the training ground I think that definitely is where you can do it but I think when you get out of the companies that's another area where we're generally lacking I think well I think I mean I can you know when it comes to a skill and function of a skill, it's easy to, to explain the why because you can break it down and, and look at it and understand it. Um, what you're speaking to probably more so, and that's this whole uh, concept of the senior man, and I think it's been romanticized a, a little bit too much, but um, what's lost is the why in the department-specific stuff. Yes. Um, you know, like the institutional knowledge, I, I mean – I, I could at at West Metro, yeah, I spent 13 years there, and there was a lot of things that I told new firefighters to do or new officers to do, and say this is this is what we do here. And uh, if they were to ask me why, I'd say I don't know. Um, it's because that's how I learned it from who I learned it from, and you know those those mirrored behaviors, those learned behaviors. Um, really, all you can say is this is what to do, um, and the the why can't be answered. So um, I can tell you why we should, you know, force the door this way because of mechanics and because the X and because of Y and Z, but um, the institutional knowledge, and that's, uh, you know, a whole different area of the fire service. Those are the things that, that aren't being communicated well. And uh, in a lot of ways could have been completely lost. You know, there's, there's plenty of examples of that where, uh, 
you know, a major, a major event, say a line of duty death happens in an organization. And when they do go completely through the ringer, um, there's things that are questioned uh, throughout the whole organization and nobody can explain why it's done that way. So, um, you know, kind of the endangered species of the fire service is the institutional knowledge in a lot of those uh, things. So Brian, something I've always respected about you as an instructor is the ability to explain the whys because uh, it really just makes sense. I believe that an instructor needs to do more than narrate what they're doing. Um, and you've always done that. Can, I know you've spent tons and tons and tons of time in the weeds on all the disciplines from your two and a half to ground ladders to ventilation. Can you talk to that just a little bit? Uh, yeah, you know, um, I, it's funny because people, a lot of people uh, have given me that, that feedback. Um, and uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically, I, I teach the way I've, I've learned. Um, and that's, uh, you know, down to, uh, you know, some of the first classes that I did were, uh, when I, the first things I kind of started sharing with people was, uh, was a ventilation class that I did. And, um, really it was, I made that move from being a firefighter to being a Lieutenant and being a Lieutenant, um, at a truck company. And, um, in our organization, it was, you'd be given the, t the task, you'd say, you know, ventilation, uh, you know, tower 12 ventilation. And as the officer, you had to determine, you know, the who, what, where, when, why, all that stuff. So I knew, you know, that kind of had that uh, reality moment of, well, I know how to do a lot of the tasks, but I don't really uh, understand the right concept. So I went on a big search of resources that I knew and people that I'd talked to and try to get as much as I could together. And I came up with kind of my approach to it and my thought process and, uh, and that's kind of what I started sharing with people is like, you know, here's, here's what I didn't know. Here's the avenue that I went out to learn more about it, all the resources. Here's what I pulled together and here's what I broke it down to. So that way I can make those decisions and uh, in, in that type of uh, setting. So, uh, and then people will say, well, you know, why, why are you into so many different things? You're in the hose, you're in the ladders, you're into this, you're into that. And I think once again, that's a, a a sign of uh the letdowns in my career you know i think uh, you go through an academy i've been through plenty of them i went through one in california i went through one while i was at oklahoma state uh in college i went through one at west metro i went through one at Edmond. and i mean uh you go through a lot of these thinking that you're going to get all the answers uh, and you just don't and uh, a lot of the things you have been taught throughout your career you learn that are completely wrong you know they things change times change access to information changes and uh you know the 30 degree fog pattern you were taught to use 20 years ago is not the way it is today and you have to accept that um that that's you didn't own that education you need to own your performance and move to what's right and i so i as far as teaching uh Teaching the way I learn it seems to help because I think a lot of people do learn that way. If you take them through the process of where the information came from, where it got derailed, what the right way is, kind of the, the systematic approach to showing people everything rather than just dictating to them helps them with comprehension. Um, but also that humility of, hey, man, everything that I teach pretty much comes from the, uh, the book of the miseducation of Brian Brush. And uh, when you start out a class by saying, look, I, I, I had to completely change the way I think, or this is how I'm understanding information now, and you put yourself on the same level as those students who are showing up to learn a different way or think things, it becomes a peer-to-peer a, a -peer atmosphere instantly. And, um, you know, I, I think across the board, um, that's what is making um, training successful is the peer-to-peer uh, -peer approach to it um, rather than the instructor dictator and the the uneducated uh, unknowing inexperienced and um, that's why you see the successful training companies are just good dudes they may not 
have the um, the many years or the department name hanging on them, but they are connecting with firefighters. Not to say that you know those those great organizations, the FDNYs, put out some incredibly humble instructors who are peer to peer with people. Um, but the question keeps coming up: How are all these training groups popping up? It's just because they're going out there and they're sharing things um, in a peer-to-peer format that's really working and connecting with people. Yeah, I think that humility is absolutely key when it comes to instructing, and obviously you fit on that. Um, I think that just gets more buy-in from folks. I think they can relax when they come in knowing they're not just going to be talked down to or made to look like a fool in front of, you know, their peers. I think that's one of the most stressful things and why you see issues with training probably in the firehouse is someone has 10 years and this guy's got 10 days. Well, I don't want to put my gear on, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do this drill cause I'm, you know, terrified how I'm going to look, but humility as an instructor goes a long ways. Um, so you've taught so many various subjects clearly. What's your, uh, if you had to pick one, what are you an engine truck or rescue guy? You got to pick one. Yeah, uh, you like, and that's, um, I guess that's, that's the thing about being, um, you know, having, I guess, had I been in an organization that was maybe just, uh, just engine or truck, you know, and having, and West Metro certainly had the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, fingerprint on my career. Um, I'd love to say, you know, just the engine or just the truck, but having spent so much time in the, um, the rescue, um, you just kind of realize that, that the most important job is the most important job. Um, and that's, you have to be ready for, um, whatever that right now task is. And, um, so, I mean, I enjoy all different aspects, but I enjoy the most, um, being ready when, you know, that, that wild card pops up. Um, so, uh, and I've seen that happen throughout my career. You know, I was, a firefighter at West Metro when Colorado Springs uh, had the Castle West uh, apartment fire. And, uh, you know, the seven of the first nine rigs were dedicated to ladder rescues. And they don't have seven ladder trucks in the city. You know, they there was engines making ladder rescues. I think they pulled 80-something people. I think it was 85 people were rescued by ground ladders. You know, that's that's being on your game when, when that comes down or – you know, the, the truck company that has to, um, grab a line, you know, because they're in the right spot for writ, um, or the rescue that has to show up and, and, and go to the roof. I mean, I think, um, I don't know. I, I, I certainly love engine work. I think I've, uh, definitely, um, that's been something that I've been a part of that's probably been amplified the most, um, back to the nozzle study with West Metro and then teaching and working through Elkhart brass. But, um, as we know with most people, uh, what you see of them isn't really the entirety of them. So um, I guess uh, me to get out of the, uh, the question is, man, I, I, of all the skills and all the drills out there, um, probably the thing that interests me the most is spending time researching, like Grant said, the, the why of, of what we do. So, um, I love pulling mines and, and flowing water. I love throwing ladders. I love cutting holes in the roof. I love doing searches. Um, I love all those things because I, I spend a lot of time figuring out uh, why they're so important. So Brian, if you could teach one, one thing, you could rewrite every fire service book and one thing that we're getting so wrong, what would that be? And what are we missing? Um, I think that that's finally become uh, clearest to me in the last uh, two years. And I think, I think if I could throw it all away, I would start with, with adult education. Um, I would, I would start with the instructor book. I would start with how, how to teach people information, how to um, work on skill development, how to put together good presentations how important it is to uh, be passionate. I mean, we, you can't find a fire service book without the information saying that the company officer is the most important person in the, in the world. 
um, which I agree with, but, um, you know, teachers are too, you know, because it's, someone had to get them to that point. And, uh, and uh, I think that the, the biggest failure in the fire service right now is not how we're flowing water. It's not how we're throwing ladders. Yes, we can get better at all those things, but our biggest failure in the fire service is how we're developing, training, and educating our people. Um, the textbooks are generations behind. Um, the new firefighters aren't getting the information they're, they're trying to from the textbook. Uh, they live in an age of information where they can watch the uh, UL studies unfold in front of them and have it communicated to them by an engineer who also can articulate it simply, and it doesn't match up with their textbook at all, and it certainly doesn't match up with the uh, experience of the person who is teaching them that who has 30 years on the job and had operational experience in a, in a completely different time. So, um, so yeah, if I, if I could, if you're asking me, you know, which textbook would you rewrite? Um, it, it would be all of them, and it would start with um, training, education, and development. And that's kind of the crossroads that I'm at now. I'm certainly trying to dive into training. I, I think that training in the fire service is too much a um, like a uh, a transient spot for people to go into training for a couple of years and do something, and then they'll move out, or they might come back to it, or they want to do one recruit class, or they want to do this while they're kids. And I think I think there's a, a bigger group of us need to um, realize that, that we've, we've done a good job in the street, but there's a lot of great people coming up who are, who are going to be good firefighters and officers and chiefs. And uh, those of us who have a knack and an interest and a passion for training uh, really need to go all in on that. And, and that may be the greatest gift that we pass on to the next generation as far as legacy goes. I don't know where I'm going to stop. I'm working on my master's degree right now in the EFO, but um, there's certainly a, a part of me that wants to pursue my, my doctorate and, uh, and try to, um, you know, maybe tackle uh, higher end stuff on, on education processes and, and textbooks and, and, and curriculum, uh, in the future while I still have some time. I think that would be great for the fire service. Sorry, we kind of made you make a decision there. These last two questions, you seem like <laughs> I'm a little stressed about it. <laughs> no, no, man. I mean, it, that's that's the passion of mine. I mean, it, it's like that's you know, I uh, I forget who somebody said um, in some video watching the other day. They said, you know, look, too many of us are spending time trying to get better in areas that we're not great in. Um, there needs to be more of us that triple down on the things that we're we are great in or good at. And I think that that's kind of, uh, kind of what I've, I've come to realize is that apparently I, I can, I'm doing a decent job in, in articulating information and, and sharing passion and getting people motivated about the fire service. And I'm making connections, you know, you guys calling me on the phone is, is it a, a testament that to that. And I'm not trying to be, um, arrogant about it. I just think that that's, um, we, we have to keep, keep the torch moving in that direction um we have to keep this momentum and this this energy and this uh this paradigm shift in training going and uh some of that has to be by people getting over the wall from from doing it at conferences and and doing it in lecture halls and doing it on drill grounds to um getting it into textbooks and and national fire academy curriculum and and that type of stuff and it just takes that extra effort Agree 100%. Speaking of textbooks, so I have in front of me the Fire Service Warrior Foundations. Uh, you wrote a few things in there. Tell us about your time. How'd you get hooked up with Chris Brennan and your time in Fire Service Warrior back in the day? Um, it was, uh, you, you know, I was, uh, Chris was kind of the lone wolf uh, of, of Fire Service Warrior. And, um, you know, he was doing, uh, it was, in a different uh, social media format, it, it was um, blogs back then and, and kind of uh, um, that type of world. So uh, just kind of connected with him and, and uh, kind of started communicating with him and saying, you know, I, I, I like I like 
what you're putting out there. I like uh, your approach to things as far as being mentally fit, physically fit, um, all, all these approaches to the job, having your skills squared away. I like the concept of an ethos in what we do. Um, I like the psychological approach. Um, it was just, uh, it was a refreshing view on, on the fire service and something that I hadn't seen before. Um, again, through just being exposed to such few things. And it was really kind of the lead of the information age as far as the fire service goes. She's certainly behind the rest of the world, but reached out to Chris and um, kind of shared some information. And he said, you know, well, uh, you know, why don't you send me a few things and, and we'll see if, if we're matching up. And so I started kind of submitting some, some works to him and he was a really, um, I mean, I just, I can't say enough about Chris and all he's done for me uh, personally and professionally, but one of his greatest gifts to me was, um, to really, I mean, I was obviously, he had fire service warrior established and, and there was a certain presence to it. And, um, I think a lot of my efforts were try to to try to match his tone and match his um, message and those types of things. And he really told me, you know, you, you have to find your own voice. Like, like quit trying, quit sending me articles that you're trying to make Chris Brennan, you know, just, just be you. And the more we can get various voices uh, speaking kind of the same underlying rhythm, uh, the better off we're going to be. And, um, when I really grabbed onto that, uh, then I kind of became the recruiter for him. And, um, I was able to talk to Mark Monopin, who was kind of getting some things up off the ground. And I said, you know, Hey, uh, you know, this, this approach, you know, we're, none of us are as good as all of us. Let's, let's start to pull our efforts and just kept pulling in other people, Gary Lane and, Jason Jeffries and Travis Rask and I mean the the list just kept going on and it was it was one of the first times I really you know could tangibly see what a a fire service community is and 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 building that culture and it was a good uh good trial run for a lot of things that then paid off on other scale, scales you know um taking what really worked well at fire service warrior and making that happen in Colorado by bringing uh, together some strong voices from various departments and uh, and connecting the dots with them and working together, we very quickly built a good uh, fire service culture in Colorado. And, uh, you know, some places do that through the fools group, some places do that through other mechanisms. Um, but among all those other mechanisms, it's bringing people together for a common mission and, and, and allowing them all to be he heard and engaged and, and having productive conversation. And, and the fire service warrior was just, uh, just an incredible uh, period of, of that to really be taken off. Absolutely. I, it was a game changer for me. I can tell you that. Um, and I'm sure for thousands of other guys that kind of just jump started their fire service career and made them look you know, outside the box of what they're taught in the academy and some of the mental mindset stuff and the fitness. And speaking of fitness, you know, reading the Foundations book, and I just got uh, Chris's first book, the uh, Combat Readiness uh, book he wrote. And has anything changed in your fitness routine or have you changed anything up? I know you guys kind of followed the CrossFit model back, uh, you know, six, seven years ago. Has anything changed for you since then? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot's changed. I mean, I'm, I'm in. I'm in horrible shape compared to what I was, uh, uh, back then. And, um, you know, a lot of that was the, the standards and accountability, you know, when we were in a group, um, and we weren't locally in a group, you know, we were uh, all over the country, but uh, Chris was putting the daily workouts, uh, on fire service warrior. Um, and we were kind of expected to perform them. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I kind of, I stuck to it. We all stuck to it. We were all, it was that, um, you know, it, it kind of followed the CrossFit model, I guess, in the sense that there was a daily wad and you were uh, posting your, your times or your, your reps and all that's accountability. Um, it was a team atmosphere in the workout and that you all uh, went through it together. Um, but, you know, I was also doing things on the side. I was, um, kind of working on distance running and, and, uh, longer cycling and so I was 
doing that as well as as maintaining that that fire service warrior fitness uh program so uh man i i thought it was awesome you know i think back to um being all in on something i was i was all in on it and and uh uh even though it may have seemed like it was taking time um away from other parts of my life i think it I don't think it was because I was very focused on, okay, this time of day, I'm going to get my workout in. And a lot of times that was uh, before my, my family was even up or at the firehouse before the crew was up, I'd get uh, a workout or a training in, you know, in that 5am to 6am kind of mark. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I wish I could say that I was at performing at that level today, but um, I'm not, I certainly have the goal to get back to that. And it's, it's small steps. It took years to get into the, uh, level of fitness that I was during that period, but, and it's going to take me some time to get back. Well, good. Uh, Brian, we have thoroughly enjoyed the discussion, um, and your insight on, on a lot of things, anything you want to end with or anything you want to pass off to the fire service community for we end today, man, I think it's just, uh, it's it's just just get out and do it you know i think that that's um i guess back to the um you know changing changing the future for the better it's 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 taking care of that future and uh and realizing that we all have something to share even if you're just sharing with people the the bad experiences uh you've had and uh, and how you wish you could do it all over or, or change those types of things but um, all over the country right now, there's, there's movements for, um, in public education that, that the teachers are, are, uh, are not respected, that the teachers are, um, not compensated enough. The teachers are shaping our future. The teachers are under threat. The teachers, I mean, we, we have certainly elevated teachers, at least in discussion to, um, some of the great influencers of our society and, and absolute public servants as far as that goes. Um, and then you'll see in social media, a lot of slamming of fire service instructors and a, and a lot of those types of things. And if you, if you aren't liking what you're seeing, then, then be a part of the solution, get involved in training other people, get involved in being that mentor in the firehouse of the training division for your, your department isn't working in that direction or be big enough to put yourself in that position in your training division within your department, because, um, again, back to Aaron, water boils from the bottom. If you want to have a long-term impact on the direction of the fire service, then get involved where it's all starting, and that's with the new firefighters. Couldn't have said it better myself. We, uh, we appreciate your time today, and we certainly appreciate you helping push the fire service forward. Thanks, brothers. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yep.